Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today we are beginning a brand new series that I have entitled, I Am. And we're going to learn about the names of God. And so what I want you to do is open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, verse 9. Exodus chapter 3, verse 9. You say, why is this important that we know about the names of God? Pastor Phil, I just call him God. I just call him God. Some people say that, God, right? Like normally when they talk, they'll say God. But, you know, if they're going to say God, they'll say God. Like they emphasis on that. But I think this is so important because what we're going to learn is that one of the ways that God reveals himself and who he is and what our future is in him is through his names. Did you ever wonder what's in a name? I mean, there's really a lot, especially when you talk about knowing God through his names, right? We know God through his names. And what happens is, and what has happened is in the um, Old Testament, when you look in ancient times, a man was simply, a name was simply more than just verbiage. A name was, was more than just jargon that people would say. Let me say it this way. A name was just more than a title that somebody had, right? And so a name, what it was, it was expected to reveal important information and insight about an individual's character, their nature, and their future. That's what a name was. Oftentimes, when you look at what God did throughout the Bible, he would change people's names. He would change people's names according to the future that he had for them. So if their name didn't match the future that he had for them, he would change their name because that's how important names were. So a name was expected to reveal important information and insight about an individual's character, their nature and future. Because when you talk about God's character, I want you to think for a moment about God's character. When you think about his character, his various names reflect his various ways. Because God's character is so multifaceted, right? It's multidimensional. What God does is he reveals many of his names to us so we can gain different perspective into different aspects of his character. Did you get that this morning? So God and his character is multifaceted. So what he does is he gives us a name for different aspects of his attributes. So you and I will know them and understand it. Think about this for, for, for a minute. One name by itself for God isn't going to fully represent who he is. That's pretty powerful. You and I just have one name. But as we look at what God, at who he is, right? One name alone can't fully tell us what we need to know about the person that we refer to as God. And so it's my prayer for this series that getting to know God by his name would be simply more than just learning some new words or just learning a title, right? Well, this is a title. No, actually what I'm believing is we learn the names of God because his name described his character and his capacity that when we find, when we know his names, we'll find rest and we'll discover peace and power and how he cares for us. So I've entitled today, I am that I am. But I have a little subtitle for today's message. It's called, You're Covered. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, You're Covered. 
Today, what I want to do, if you found Exodus chapter 3, verse 9, I want to look at Moses today, and I want to look at his life, because Moses, he grew up in Pharaoh's house, if you know the story, and uh, he grew up uh, as an Egyptian, even though he was a Hebrew, and one day as he was out, he saw one of the Egyptian uh men and they were oppressing the Hebrews. And so he, in his heart that bothered him, that frustrated him. And so he tried to deliver that Hebrew by himself. And he did that by killing an Egyptian. And so he killed an Egyptian and then he left Egypt and he went out into the desert. He's, he's tending some flocks. And then all of a sudden he sees this bush that catches on fire and it begins to speak to him. And so we know that it is the Lord talking to Moses. And so here's what he says, Exodus chapter 3, verse 9. Now, therefore, behold, the cry, everybody say the cry. The cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, and you will bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say then? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord, everybody say the Lord, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Moses has an encounter with God, and if you know the story, as he starts to approach this fire that is on this bush, on this bush, I'm sorry, this fire that is on this bush, what happens is God literally tells Moses, don't come nigh. And then God tells him, Moses, you need to take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. Holy means that ground is consecrated, but it means that we have a God who is holy. How many of you know our God is holy? That means that he is set apart. He's pure. He's consecrated. So this is interesting, and I think this is very important because I like to draw out of the Bible when we read the Old Testament truths that are found in the New Testament. I want you to notice in the Old Testament, God tells Moses, don't come nigh, take off your shoes. But when you go into the New Testament, Jesus tells a story of a prodigal son. And the Bible says that this prodigal son, he lost everything. And the father that gave him his inheritance represents God. But what happened is the, the prodigal son lost everything and he starts to come home. When he starts to come home, he's barefoot. 
But I want you to notice in the new covenant, here's what happens because under grace, when the father sees the prodigal son coming home, he doesn't say, don't draw nigh. The Bible says that the father ran to his son. And that, now this is interesting to me because in the old covenant, he says, don't draw nigh to me. I'm holy. But under grace, the heavenly father is saying, I'm going to run to you. In the old covenant, he says, you have to take off your shoes. Why is that? Because shoes represent a position and a standing. So Moses could not stand before a holy God by himself. But under grace, not only did the father run to the prodigal son, the Bible says that the father put shoes on the prodigal son. So in other words, by grace, you can stand before me. So in the old covenant, Moses had to take off his shoes. Under the new covenant, God, by grace, is putting on shoes to you so you can stand before him and you can have a position before him as a son and a child of God. Aren't you glad you live in the new covenant? Because now we have shoes that God has put on us. Why? Because we can stand in the place of grace. I think it's important when we read the Old Testament, we, gotta, we can't just say, I could just preach it to you and say, hey, you know what? God is holy and he's telling Moses not to draw nigh. And you just go, wow, yeah, he is holy. Thank God, though, you and I, the Bible says that grace and truth came with Jesus Christ. And so we can stand before God. That's why in my book, the first chapter, it says the password is grace. In the New Testament, the Bible says, I mean, the Old Testament, the Bible says this. The Bible says that we come before him and, and we, we come before his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. In the New Testament, thanksgiving, the root word is grace. So if you can understand that you can come before God with the password grace, he'll put shoes on your, your feet and he'll position you to be a child of God. Are you here this morning? And so God doesn't just show up to go, hey, man, what's going on? He shows up because he's calling Moses to be a deliverer. He's calling him. He says, I want you to deliver my people. Now, Moses has a couple of questions, and I like Moses. I really do. Moses, his first question when God shows up is this. Well, who am I? I mean, really, like, who am I to be a deliverer of your people? You know, who am I? Moses actually, actually thinks that he's unqualified, and he actually thinks that God call, is calling the wrong person. Doesn't that happen sometimes with us when God wants us to do something? We feel like he's calling the wrong person. We don't feel qualified. But how many of you know that God is the one that qualifies the unqualified? And so Moses, in his heart, is really a deliverer. I'm going to tell you why. Because he tried to deliver a Hebrew by himself, but what ended up happening was he killed the Egyptian. Now, let me tell you something about what frustrates you, because Moses was frustrated at this. One of the indicators of what you're called to do is, one, let me read how I put it in my notes. One of the indicators of what you're called to do is by understanding what frustrates you. Because what frustrates you doesn't frustrate me all the time. 
I'm going to tell you real quick what frustrates me, okay? It frustrates me when people can't communicate well. It frustrates me. I can listen to messages and speeches, and so I, I love it. I can listen over. I, I love that. But what frustrates me more is when people can't communicate clearly. Why does that frustrate me? Because I'm a communicator. I'm going to tell you another thing that really frustrates me. You're going to go, wow, this pastor's really frustrated. Yeah. But that's why God calls us to help us make changes, right? I can't communicate like a lot of the best communicators in the world, but you know what? God is using me to communicate here. He's using me to communicate online, right? But another thing that frustrates me is when things aren't organized. It bothers me to no end. You know what bothers me to no end? Clutter in our house. I'm telling you, I'm believing God for healing with ADD, ADHD, right? AT&T, Verizon Wireless. It's all going on in here. And so when we got different stuff laid out at the house, my mind is going, what's all that stuff? And I told my mom, I, t- I told my wife, I was like, listen, listen, Val, I'm a simpleton. I just want things simple and organized. So you know what I do? I organize stuff, right? So when you walk in, somebody walked in our house for life group and they said, wow, you know, this, this really feels, this feels good. It's like, Everything is organized. I'm like, yeah, because it frustrates me when people, when I walk into something and it's just, there's just no organization. Now that may not frustrate you, right? You may be a hoarder, have a whole bunch of stuff at your house and you just like living in that. I can't do that. Homie, don't play. (laughs) Another thing that frustrates me is that when people are mistreated, when kids are mistreated, youth are mistreated, people are mistreated, But you know what? Over and over again, it's been prophesied over my life that I have a healing anointing on my life. Why do you think when people are hurt, it frustrates me? Because there's a healing anointing on my life. And I want to say it again. One of the indicators of what you're called to do is by understanding what frustrates you. Are you here this morning? And what frustrates you may not frustrate me. But the reality of it is, is that God had put the calling of deliverer in Moses already, and he was frustrated to see the oppression of God's people. Well, guess who else was frustrated to see the oppression? God was frustrated. And so he was calling Moses to be a deliverer. And so God tells Moses, Moses, I know you're asking me who you are, but I want to tell you what, I'm going to be with you. To me, that is one of the greatest promises that God could ever give. Honestly, if he's with me, I don't need anybody else. If he's with me, I have all the power I need. If he's with me, I have the supply that I need. If he's with me, I have the wisdom that I need. I I just need him. We need people, don't get me wrong. But first, I need him. And Moses hears this. God says, I am with you. And then God says to Moses, listen, Here's the name. You're asking me. I am who I am. Because that was the second question that Moses asked God. He says, first he asked himself, he asked God, he's like, well, who am I? And then he says, who are you? (laughs) He says, I need to know a name. When I go to these people, they're going to want to know who sent me. And so what is your name? And this is what God says. This is what he answers him. He says, Moses, I am who I am. And then in verse 15, he says, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. How many of you think that God has an emphasis on names when he says it's my name forever? 
And this is a memorial to all generation. So look what God does to Moses. He calls him, but when he asks Moses to lead the Israelites out of a difficult, challenging situation, here's number one. This is what he does. God empowered Moses by revealing one of his names. I want to say that again. How does God empower Moses? God empowers Moses by revealing one of his name. Because Moses understands this. I can't go to the Israelites in my own name. They don't really even know who I am, but they know who you are. So Moses needed to know God's name because Moses was smart enough to know that, listen, if I know God's name, I'll know that name has power and authority is attached to that name. So here's what we need to understand when it comes to God's name. God's character is in his name. Let me say it this way. And in his name is his character. They are inseparable. Inseparable. Psalms 138, verse 2, it says, you have magnified your word. Everybody say your word above your name. So his name is his character and his word. This is what God says. If I don't keep my word I am not who I say I am. Think about that. Think about that if you applied this to your own life. If I don't keep my word, I am not who I said I am. There would be a lot less talking going on. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Ever try to plan a party in California? Invite 20 people, seven show up, but 18 said they would be there? Oh, it's quiet in here today. See, why are you saying that, Phil? Are you trying to put us down? No. The reason why I'm saying that is because we do that, and then we think God does that. Because God says if he's going to show up, he will show up, or he's not who he says he is. Because his word is his bond. His word is his character. And in his character is his name, and in his name is his character. They are inseparable. Now, let's talk about this real quick. Because while names do matter, it can also be said that a person can have a name but not have the qualities that that name exhibits. Let me give you an example, right? You could name your child Albert Einstein, right? That doesn't mean they're going to be intelligent. I actually wanted to name my son Genius. That's what I wanted to name him. But my wife wouldn't let She's like, you know, that's going to intimidate the kids. That's going to be, you know, you can't. Genius, get over here. Dad, you know, but I made a C. Genius, listen. You call those things as not as though they were. You could name your child Tiger Woods. That doesn't mean they're going to love golf. They may hate golf. But the name, right, doesn't exhibit the quality or the character of that person. And I think we understand that, right? Have you ever seen a child named Angel, but they act like a devil? Have you ever seen, like, I think we get that. I think we understand that. Nobody, right? She named her her son Elijah. She didn't name her son Goliath. She didn't name her son Judas. Judas, right? I've never met a girl or a family, and they're like, Phil, I want you to meet our daughter. Come on, Jezebel, come over here. Jezebel, come on. Why? Because that name represents something. There's a character quality that is attached to that name. My church family, can I just encourage you? Be careful what you name your kids. Can I just help you? I know we're getting a little crazy. This is my son, Apple. Okay, 
uh, 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 come on. Right? This is my daughter, Zoom. You know, I mean, just like, let, let's, let's, let's be strategic because names are important. Can I hear a good amen today? But with God, see, this is the reality. His character defines his name, and his name defines his character. So in Scripture, what God does is he reveals himself to us through his name. Can I hear a good amen today? And so I love, I love this because God is revealing to Moses, I am that I am. This isn't, watch, this isn't Moses trying to describe who God is, right? Moses is writing under the unction of the Holy Spirit. But I want to remind you of something. This is actually God revealing himself to Moses. This is God saying, this is who I am to you. Not Moses going, "Mm, I think I'm going to put I am that I am. This is God with his name tag on saying, this is who I am. And here's what I love is that we have a God who wants to reveal himself to you. He wants it. He wants you to know who he is. So here's how he's going to choose to reveal himself to Moses. He says this. He says, I am that I am. Moses like, who are you? God says, I am that I am. And so God is going to reveal himself. But notice the first question. Moses said, who am I? Here's number two. Knowing who God is will reveal who you are. Moses finds his identity in God. Oh, I'm a deliverer? Yes, I want you to deliver my people. See, I find out who I am by going to the great I am. Now, you don't have to go to him for your identity. But I would just challenge you, look at our world that we live in. We are living in a world that has an identity crisis, right? So if you don't go to the I am to tell you who I am, here's what you're going to do. You're left to yourself looking to yourself, right? Looking to yourself to try to figure out who you are. And you want to know the results of it? Look at our world. Can't even figure out who we are. But if you will look to who I am to tell you who you are, you will understand. This is why I totally believe we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, we need to know that we are more than a conqueror. I could go down those scriptures, but one thing for me that I have noticed in my life, the more that I pursue God, the more I understand who I am. I could be pursuing, what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? That's fine. But one thing in my life, if I put Jesus first and I put the I am first, I figure out who I am. I tell people all the time, following Jesus, I am and I have become the person I've always wanted to become, but I could not do that within myself. I had to go to the great I am to figure out who I am. Why? Because he created me. Come on, don't give him a golf clap this morning. If you're going to clap, give him a good clap. So Moses says, what's your name? Watch this. Notice what God doesn't say. Moses says, God, what is your name? And God says, I am a higher power. Notice what God doesn't say. I'm the big guy in the sky. My church family, God has a name. You know what that means? That means he's a person. He, he's a person. 
And so what is God meeting when he says, I am that I am? I am means this in the Hebrew. It means I am the existing one. I am present. Everybody say present. John 8, 58 says this. Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I said unto you before Abraham was, I am. And he was saying that to the Pharisees because they were questioning his identity. When he said this, they knew who he was saying. He was referring to himself as God. He said, because they were saying, you know, Abraham, he's like, even before Abraham, I am, I am. So in other words, Jesus was saying, I've always existed. Before the world was, came into existence, I existed. Before there was a beginning, I was. I'm God. I am. Do you know that God is self-existing? You and I are dependent on air. If in the next few moments there was no air in this room, we would die because we are dependent on air. Do you know that God is not? Do you know no one created God? I know this is, this is hard sometimes to really fathom all of these things, but he always was, and he always will be. And he is dependent on nothing and no one. All right. I want you to hear my heart. God loves people, but he's not dependent on people. Because if God was dependent on people, that means he wouldn't be God because there would be a weakness in him. He loves you. All right, I hope you hear my heart. But God doesn't need you. This is even more powerful. He actually wanted you. He didn't need you, but he wanted you. Oh, it breaks his heart. But you need to understand how powerful he is, that he's not dependent on anybody. He is all powerful. He has no rivals. Well, what about the devil? The devil is not even, sometimes we, we put the devil on a plane where God is. He is not. The Bible says he is under our feet. He is a fallen angel. The Bible says that you and I, at the end of time, we are going to look at the devil and we're going to see him with our eyes and we're going to look at him and we're going to say, this is the one who destroyed the nations? Because we're going to go, wow, look at how little and small he is. All he has is his lies and his deception. But when you truly see him, we're going to say, this is the one that tried to rule the nations. This is the one. Listen, my church family, the devil is not on the same plane as God. He is defeated. There is one God and there is no one beside him. It's one God, all powerful. I love this scripture because I think it best illustrates it. Revelation chapter one, verse eight. Are you glad you came to church today? He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. Watch this. Who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I want to say that again. Who is, who was, and who is to come. So he tells Moses, I am who I am. I've always existed. Why does this matter? It matters to Moses because Moses is going to get it, and I think you're going to get it. It's important that he is the God who was. Why is that important? Because you and I, no matter what we do, no matter how much money we have, you cannot change your past. Yesterday is gone. It's dead. Three years from now, there's nothing you can do to change your 
past. But you know what? God can change your past. You know why? Because he was the God who was. So the God who was can forgive you of all of your sins. He can give you mercy and grace. And the Bible says he can make you righteous. The Bible says in the New Testament that he remembers your sins no more. So everything or anything that you did in the past, you cannot change. But because he is the God who was, he can go back and he can forgive you of all of your sin and justify. You know what justification means? Just if I have never done it because he is the God who was. That meant a lot to Moses because Moses killed somebody. So that's why he was struggling with his identity is because of his past. But thank God we have a God who was, and because of what Jesus did on the cross, our sins are remembered no more. They are forgiven. Come on, can you give him a good round of applause today? So only God can change what was to what is. And so I'm so thankful for the God who was because what is in my life right now is a result of a God who was. Did you get that? We're standing right now with a God who is. He's very present right now. He's the God who is. But I'm so thankful for the God who was. Because what I'm standing in right now, his righteousness, his grace, his anointing, is because he is a God who was. He's the God who is right here. Watch this. He also, the Bible says, is who is to come. That means right now he's with me, but I don't even have to give three thoughts about tomorrow. I don't have to give three thoughts about my future because God is already in the future. He is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning in the end. God is already in the end. God already has tomorrow sorted out. That's why you don't need to worry about it. Come on. Can I get a better amen? Say this with me. He's the God who is. So he tells Moses, I am that I am. So the proper, he word, the proper Hebrew name for that, let me say that again. The proper Hebrew name for that is Yahweh. Everybody say that. Say Yahweh. It means existing one. Now, we translate that into English by the word Jehovah. Everybody say Jehovah. Jehovah. So when you hear the name Jehovah, keep in mind, this is the Hebrew name Yahweh. Right now, this is important. Jehovah is his personal name, his personal name. And again, it's the self-revealing name that God gave to Moses. When Moses said, what is your name? This is God saying, hey, I am Yahweh. I am Jehovah, the self-existing one, the present one, the existing one. But in our time together, in the last part of this time together that we have, there's another definition that I think you need to know about God's name. This word, Yahweh, means I am who I am. I will be who I will be. But watch, it also means this. I will come to be. I will come to be. So God is telling Moses, Moses, I'm going to send you. And I've always been. I'm the existing one. Remember in Hebrews 13, 8, it says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, what? And forever. And so Yahweh also means to come to be. So this speaks of the personal side. Jehovah is his name. Now I want to ask you this question. How personal is God? Well, we read 
Number one, he has the name. But how personal is God? You know what God said to Moses? He said, I heard the cry of my people. We have a God, Jehovah, who hears. He hears your cry. The Bible says this, that God said to Moses, I see the oppression of my people. Jehovah sees. He sees you. He sees right where you're at. Nobody understand me. That's a lie from the pit of hell because we have Jehovah who hears you and sees you and knows you. So stop saying that out of your mouth. Nobody understands me. I'm weird. You may be weird, but God knows you. I'm speaking to myself because I used to say, nobody loves me. Nobody understands me. What a lie from the pit of hell. Our God is personal. He has a name. He sees. He hears. And you know what? He speaks. Jehovah speaks. See, so what can happen in people's lives, there's a name for God as creator. It's called Elohim. He's the creator, right? And he's in you. You have the creator. But watch, here's what happens is a lot of people can go, whoo, he's creator. He's, and, and so what they're doing is they're, they're magnifying him as a creator, which is fine. And so they know him as creator, but they don't know him as the personal God, Jehovah. So it could be, well, he's Elohim. He's all out there. He's the creator. I love that. Yes, but today you need to know him as the personal God, Jehovah. You need to know him as your Yahweh, the existing one. I thought I'd get a better amen than that. So how personal is God? In the definition of Yahweh, it says to be. So I asked myself this. To come to be, if that's the definition, what is God going to come to be? He's not coming to be anything to himself, but he is going to come to be something to you. What do I mean by that? Here's number three. God will become to you whatever you need in the moment you're in. So I am that I am. It's not God needing to become something to himself. It's God needing to become something to his people. And he will become to you whatever you need in the moment. See, here's the reality about God. When he's having this exchange with Moses, God knew what Moses was going to need before Moses knew what he needed. What do you mean, Pastor Phil? God said, I am that I am. And so Moses is like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go. And God says, listen, Moses, he doesn't tell him this, but we can read this when you read the Bible. Moses was going to need some protection. Moses didn't, un, didn't know at the time that God was going to send plagues on Egypt. But you know what? He was going to keep his people safe. He was going to need protection. So when you need protection, guess what? You have Yahweh right? And when you need, so here's what happens. They were going to need a healer. What good is it if God delivered all of his children, the doors were open, the gates were unlocked to come out of Egypt. What good is it if you have a gate that's open and they say, go ahead and go, but you are sick in your body and you cannot move. They were going to need a healer. Do you know that the Bible says that all the children of Israel, if there was about 2 million of them, none of them were feeble. None of them were sick when they came out of Egypt. What good is if you have deliverance, but you can't move? So guess what? They were going to need a healer. You know what else they were going to need? They were going to need a provider. You know what the Bible says? That God put a cloud over them by day to keep them out of the hot sun to keep them cool. 
You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God put a large fire over them when they walked at night. Why? To keep them warm because he was their provider. Not only did they come out healed from Egypt, the Bible says this, before they left, the Israelites asked the Egyptians for silver and gold and the Egyptians gave them silver and gold. What good is it if you have deliverance, but you have no money? So the children of Israel come out of Egypt healed and fully provided for. They walk out with gold and silver. Yahweh. Yahweh. You know what? They were going to need a deliverer too. Because when they got to the Red Sea, it looked like there was no way forward. But God was going to open up the Red Sea for them to walk on dry ground. But here's the question. Is will you believe in the God who says I am that I am? Will you believe in the God who says I have protection for you? And guess what? That protection, he has a name. I have healing for you. He has a name as a healer. He has a name as a provider. And we're going to go through those names. Does that interest anybody in this room today? So whatever you need, he will be to you because he is the I am that I am, the existing one, Yahweh. And he will come to be whatever you need. Do you need provision today? He has a name for that. Do you need protection today? He has a name for that. And it's personal to whatever you need. Man, this is good today. So he's not just, oh, creator God, the big guy in the sky, right? He's not a mist. He's actually personable to me, and he has a name. And this is interesting because, and I want to close with this. So God delivers his people after all the plagues, all those things. They all come out healed. They come out with gold and silver, but they come to the foot of the Red Sea. And Moses gets up in front of all the people and he begins to tell them, stand still and, you know, you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. And I think this is interesting because he says all that and then God speaks to him and says, hey, Moses, hold on. Moses, why are you crying out to me? Watch this. He says, Moses, tell the people to move forward. Everybody say forward. Okay, God, move forward. Uh, Can you see, no pun intended, there's a C in front of us. Move forward. It doesn't make sense. Here's what he says. Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to move forward. And that rod you have in your hand, stretch out your hand. So watch this. I don't know if you've ever seen this in the Bible, but they didn't stand there and watch the Red Sea open. They actually had to start moving forward towards the Red Sea. And as they moved forward and they stretched and Moses stretched out his rod and they were moving forward. Can you imagine moving forward and nothing's moving? You're moving forward and nothing, there's, there's nothing parting. But at some point you go, okay, all right, God, what's going to happen? And as soon as you get there, the whole thing opens. And the Bible says that they walk across on dry ground. Why am I saying this? Because a lot of us do this with God. We leave it all on God. We say, God, if you want this to happen, 
If you want this sea to move, guess what? Please open up the door and I will move once you move. And God says, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting to move. I'm waiting for you to move. I'm waiting for you to move forward. And if you will move forward, guess what will happen? Things will move. Because faith without works is dead. So in other words, Moses, in order, in order for the great I am to have an effect in your life, you need to start acting like he is. Sometimes we put everything on God. God, if you want this, if you want me to be healed, I'll be healed. And God says, you know what? If you try to get out of bed today, I'll heal you. If you start moving that leg that hurts, I'll heal it. Now I'm just not going to sit there and wait. My church family, God is not waiting. You're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. You ever notice when you go to the grocery store, the doors don't open? They don't slide open until you get into that sensor. And when you get into the sensor, you have to just keep walking until that door opens. That's faith. But sometimes what we're doing is we're waiting. That's what Moses did. He's like, God, I'm going to put this all on you. God's like, no. What do you have in your hand? You have a rod. This is how miracles happen. Miracles happen in the stretch. Miracles happen when you take the step forward. And guess what? God was true to what he said he would do. And you know what is true today, my church family? God covered every need that they had because that is the God that he is. He is the I am that I am. He's got you covered. You know why he does that to you? Because not only is that his nature and his character, but so that there would be no excuses that you and I could ever have because he is the God who was, who is, and is to come. If you're taking notes, I want to say this. God has a name for every situation we find ourselves in. Did you get that? God has a name for every situation that you and I find ourselves in. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at each name, each aspect of his character. So you know that you're able to call on that name. You understand that in those areas, he's got you covered because he is, I am that I am. Come on, would you give the Lord a great round of applause today? I just want to read these scriptures. Maybe this will help today. Proverbs 18, 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into and they are saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved because you cannot separate his name and his character. You cannot. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through today, but God has a name and he wants to be there. He wants to intervene. Listen, I feel this so strong by the Holy Spirit. He sees you today. He hears your cry today. You know, what's interesting is that the Bible says God called Moses when the children of Israel started to pray because they started to cry out. And sometimes I just wonder what happens if they would have just cried out earlier. Maybe they could have been delivered earlier, but because they didn't cry out, because maybe they didn't really understand that God hears their cry. And I want to tell you today, God hears your cry. He loves you. He cares. He sees 
but he wants permission to intervene in your life. He wants permission to be your deliverer. He wants permission for you to allow you to be your healer today, to be your deliverer, to be your provider. Or are you going to do it all on your own name? Are you going to try to do it all in the authority of Phil Valdez? No, I've tried that. It doesn't work. I have a God who has a name, who is fully backed by his character and his power. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for who you are to us. Lord, that you supply every one of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus today. And so today, Lord, we rely on who you are. You are not a God who lies. You are a God who's true. And so today, Lord, we pray for healing for people. We pray for provision for people in their lives today. Lord, we love you so much. And Lord, we pray, I pray today, and Lord, we repent for just allowing you to be so distant and just putting you off into the distance. And you said in your word that if we will draw nigh to you, you will draw nigh to us because you've already made every single way for us to be able to come to you. You've given us your son. You've given us your mercy. You've given us your grace. And Lord, you have our lives covered. But what we have to do is we have to move forward. We have to believe. We have to act like you are the I am that you said that you are. And we thank you for that. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.